We're going to have a lot of energy because Lauren ate breakfast. Lauren, <laughs> did he have a Krispy Kreme? Yeah, but now it's lunchtime. Ah. <laughs> I always got an excuse. Today's decision to lower the federal funds rate target by a quarter percent to 1.75% to 2% is appropriate in light of the global developments I mentioned. President Trump wants the Federal Reserve to lower interest rates to zero or lower. Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, your host, along with Rochelle Smith, producer extraordinaire, and Lauren Merkel, certified financial planner, axe thrower, and father to the amazing Jace. Today, guys, we're going to tackle something that I can't quite get my mind around, but I know, Rochelle, that Lauren Merkel is going to help me understand this concept. I'll walk away from here knowing exactly I can take it to my next happy hour and impress my friends. (laughs) Heck yes. (laughs) Lauren Merkel is going to break down for us today negative interest rates. And with everything we do on this podcast, it's called Retiring Today. We're not only going to break down subjects and, and give you information that we hope is really important to you, we hope it's really important to you if, if and when you're pre-retiree or retiree. So just hang on. First, we're going to define some things. We're going to talk about what's going on in the news and what's going on currently uh, with negative interest rates. And then really, we're going to boil it down to pre-retirees and retirees. Why should you care? So Lauren Merkel, first, though, we got to kind of get our dictionary out here. Negative interest rates. What does that mean? Negative interest rates, what we're talking about here is the Fed funds rate. The Fed funds rate is what the the banks lend each each other money to on the overnight basis. So if if the if one bank is lending money to another bank, that's the rate. The Fed funds rate is going to set the rate of which they're going to lend each other. So why do, why does that matter? Because this is a very much leveraged society, meaning that we a lot of people, a lot of Americans borrow money to live the lifestyle that they wanted to, to, to build the businesses that they want to build. And the Fed funds rate influences the rate at which one can borrow money. Okay, so we watch these things when the Feds meet. It's, it's news. It's big news to see what the Fed Reserve Board will do. So September 18th, they cut the interest rate about a quarter of a point to 2%. My colleagues at the, at the Federal Reserve and I are dedicated to serving the American people. Today's decision to lower the federal funds rate target by a quarter percent to 1.75% to 2% is appropriate in light of the global development. This wasn't a big surprise. The experts who followed this very closely were saying they weren't shocked by any of this. Uh, To protect the economy against some uncertainty, trade, some things that are happening in China, they're watching this and they cut the interest rates. Why do I care? It wasn't a surprise this year, but it was a surprise last year. Last year, they increased interest rates four different times and that what they were anticipating increasing interest rates three different times at least this year. So there's been a reversal of policy based on what the Fed believes the, is happening in the economy and, and based on all the different metrics of the economy and what they're trying to influence with this Fed funds rate. So the question, Molly, like you just asked is, why do you care? How does that influence you? and the decisions that you make. If you think about pre-retirees and retirees today, most pre-retirees were buying their first home or were using leverage back in the 80s. Back in the 80s, we had double-digit interest rates. So they were borrowing money and paying maybe 10, 12, 14% in a time they needed money. I think my parents bought their first home, and they're, they're in this age range, 
at 14% interest. It was like a $55,000 home, but I can't, um, the mortgage payments, the interest they paid just to own that home is, is a crazy concept when we bought our first home under 4%. Yeah, and today's interest rates where right now you can get a 30-year mortgage, maybe 3.5%, and think about paying 10, 12, 14%. We teach this class called Passport to Retirement, where it's all pre-retirees and retirees coming to this class. And I'll ask them a lot of times, they'll say, remember back in the 80s, a lot of you were purchasing your first home. What What's the approximate year you did buy your first home? And what was the approximate interest rate that you paid? And hearing somebody say they paid 14%, or even 16% on the biggest asset they own, which is their home, is just astounding to us today. So why does that matter? Back then when they needed money, they were paying a lot of interest rate to borrow that money. And then today, in an environment where a lot of them have their debt paid off, they don't need any more to borrow any more money. And what they're trying to do is just live on a reasonable return, right? They just need a reasonable return to provide income to maintain the lifestyle that they've grown accustomed to for the last 30 to 40 years. So if they're trying to put money in a bank to protect their principal and yet get a reasonable return, you can't do it because the banks are paying you maybe 1%, maybe maybe 2%. And the rate that they're going to pay based on the decrease of the Fed funds rate and maybe future decreases is going to continue to go down as well. So look, think about these pre-retirees. When they needed money, they were paying astounding rates. And now when they just need reasonable income, they can't find it anywhere in in the risk-free environment. So Rochelle, negative interest rates, this was something you did a lot of research on. What kind of brought this topic to your eye? So I was actually having a conversation with a friend and they were like, oh, you're starting this podcast. Why don't you hit the hot topic of negative interest rates? And I was like, ooh, that's a hot topic. <laughs> Maybe I should look into it. And especially since Trump, Trump got into the mix yeah. too. President Trump tweeted, the Federal Reserve should get our interest rates down to zero or less, and we should then start to refinance our debt. Interest costs could be brought way down, while at the same time substantially lengthening the term. We have the great currency, power, and balance sheet. The USA should always be paying the lowest rate. No inflation. It is only the naivety of Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve that doesn't allow us to do what other countries are already doing, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that we are missing because of boneheads. Yeah. Right, so now everybody's talking about it. Exactly. And I have two sets of parents and three of them are pre-retirees and one is already retired. And I was even talking to my mom last night about it. And she was, she and my stepdad, I mean, they have farmland and they have basically savings and that's, that's it. They're, they're not really have like a diversified portfolio or anything. And she goes, I don't even know what that is. And should I take all my money out of the bank and bury it in the backyard? See, that's the key is that these pre-retirees, they're the ones that are really being impacted, right? Let's, let's put the economics aside as far as the economy and the fundamentals of the economy and how strong the economy is because everybody is affected by that. But the pre-retirees are what are, are the demographic that's really impacted by these, the interest rates specifically because they just need that reasonable income. If you're 30 years old, you're loving this environment because you are able to purchase a, a, a much better house because your your lending rates are lower, or you can actually get into the house market for the first time. So the the millennials are absolutely loving this type of interest rate environment. It's the pre-retirees and the retirees that are really being hurt by it. 
Well, and someone who probably on a personal level doesn't have to worry about borrowing a lot of money is Donald Trump. I mean, that's not probably an environment he's been in a lot. Well, maybe for his businesses. You know what? I don't really know much about Donald Trump's finances. He's a real estate developer. And I can tell you, real estate developers as a rule leverage themselves as much as they possibly can, which means he, he does... He does borrow a lot of money. I'm thinking like about him, like just paying cash for all of his homes and things like that. But sure, for these yeah. huge properties, that 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 would make sense. So he tweets, as 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 we know, you know, zero or less interest rate. That's what he's calling for. But again, I bet pre-retirees and retirees see this and go, okay, maybe for the world economy, but it has a lot of effect on the money that they might have sitting in the bank, right? Right, which is, you know, really since 2015. Because 2008, we had the, the Great Recession, which is where pre-retirees and retirees were really all of anybody in America who had their money invested in stocks and bonds lost 30 to 50% of their life savings in a really short period of time. And so they remember that, but now they're 10, 11 years advanced from that, which means they're that much closer to retirement or already in retirement. And what they do not want to have happen now is what they saw pre-retirees and retirees go through in 2008, which means that they saw their 401k plan go to a 201k in the absolute worst time because now they're dependent upon income from that 401k plan. So this is this is absolutely critical times for pre-retirees and retirees because they just need that safety. They want to exit the stock market because they don't want their lifestyle to be dependent upon the ups and downs of the stock market. We haven't had the recession for 11 years. A lot of people, again, you turn on the business news, they're talking about when this next recession is going to happen. On average, recessions have happen every five and a half years. We, it's been 11 years. So everybody's just waiting for this foot to drop. But then here comes the interest rates, right? They're looking for safety, looking for reasonable income, can't find it. And that's why a lot of money has stayed in the equity markets, because that's the only place that they get a, a, a potential return. And so far since 2008, it has proved well to work well, because the market has done really well since that time frame. It's just it's only going to go so long. And eventually it's going to fall and everybody who's left in that market is going to get hit. And that's where the planning really comes into place for these pre-retirees and retirees. And we have to get a little bit more creative. We have to get a little bit more creative around portfolio construction. There's a lot more out there to use than stocks, bonds, and bank money. So in the creation of one's retirement plan, we have to look at all of the available options and make sure that we're creating a portfolio that will get through the next recession successfully but also beat this thing we call the silent assassin. Does that sound scary, Molly? It does sound scary. The silent assassin. That's inflation. Because inflation just kind of creeps up on you like a silent assassin. It just, just kind of jumps on your back and puts a stranglehold on you. And one day you wake up and you realize, whoa, I can't spend nearly as much money to maintain the same lifestyle. I have to spend way more to maintain the same lifestyle as what I did 10 years ago. And that is one of the... Uh, biggest problems that retirees are facing today is safe money. It's not paying. You're actually losing money versus inflation and taxation. And it's going to hurt us 10, 15 years down the road. And that is part of the job of the, the Federal Reserve Board, right? To try to slow inflation with some of these decisions? Well, there's it's, it's not as easy as that, unfortunately. Um, and if you ask them, what their job is, you're probably going to get 10 different answers from 10 different people. I mean, really what they're there to do is try to 
provide some kind of regulation, and I don't mean that in a literal way, but some kind of regulation around the economy overall. Keep inflation intact. Keep us out of a deflationary spiral. Keep us out of an inflationary spiral. Um, and really provide some kind of uh, stability with the overall economy. That's really what they're trying to do. And there's a lot of levers that they can use to do that. The main one is interest rates. And this is why we saw them increasing interest rates four different times last year is because that gives them more power. Coming off the heels of 2008, when interest rates were near zero, if we, if we went into another recession, what could they do about it? They, they, they really had very little power, very little control to influence that recession. If you think back to what happened from 2008 to 2010, they just slashed interest rates. Interest rates were at norms in 2007, 2008, and then they just slashed them to help this, this recession, to help us try to get through the recession. If interest rates are already at zero or negative, like Trump is asking for, what are they going to do when we eventually go to, through this next recession, they have very little power. So from their vantage point, having a normalized interest rate environment gives them more leverage to help this economy as the economy eventually goes through the regular cycle. And it wasn't just Donald Trump. Of course, he's calling for the negative interest rates, but Alan Greenspan, the former Fed Reserve chair, says it's only a matter of time. Overall, the economy seems to be sagging uh, longer term, of course, I've made the point that with the entitlement surge as we age in the population, we're draining gross domestic savings from the economy dollar for dollar, the data show. Some of this is a signal that the world population is aging because it's driving up demand for bonds. Is that something... I feel like if you're a pre-retiree, you might be thinking about getting out of stocks and going into bonds. Well, historically, that's what pre-retirees are taught is gradually. And that's where the rule of 100 comes from. So all these general rules of thumb that, that pre-retirees and retirees follow, that's one of them. And what it means is gradually you decrease your equity allocation and you switch those equities into bonds. And that therefore, your portfolio becomes more conservative as you get older. Now, uh, a lot of the reasons that the bond market has received a lot more money, especially starting since 2015, is because the inevitability or the thought of the inevitability of this equity market imploding. And so if the equity market is going to implode, they want to flee the equity markets. Where they're going to flee is to the bond market. But you'll see the interesting effect is there's been a lot of money fleeing the bond market back to equities because 2018, the bond market actually lost money because interest rates went up. Interest rates go up, bond, bond prices go down which means you're losing money in the bond market, which is supposed to be a safe haven. That's what people are using it for. And that's why I say when it comes to portfolio creation, especially for retirees and pre-retirees, we have to get more creative. The old 60% stocks or 60% bonds and 40% stocks or 40% bonds, that old allocation is not nearly as effective as what it was 15, 20 years ago. So we just have to get more creative and it all should be involved in your retirement plan. So you talked about the plan and some of the old rules, the 60-40, the, the 4% withdrawal. I mean, there are just so many more options now for retirees when it comes to how to construct a retirement plan. Well, yeah, I mean, there's two different things there. And first, let's talk about the plan, because I think above anything else, it's the planning that is going to 
determine the probability of success for pre-retirees and retirees than anything else. And the unfortunate part about, and this is what we talk about all the time on our TV show, as well as the Passport to Retirement class that we teach, is that there's very little planning that is done for pre-retirees and retirees. There's a lot of advisors out there, just very few advisors and very few investment consumers are actually actually putting together a comprehensive written retirement plan. What, what most people what we've been taught to believe is that our product, right, that what we're talking about today, the stocks, the bonds, what, we, what we've been taught to believe is our product is our plan. Well, in reality, the product is just a portion of our plan. There's five main components of a retirement plan. There's the investment piece, which includes the product, and you need to get creative and you need, need to be careful about the portfolio construction within that investment plan. There's also the income plan. When a pre-retiree switches from the working years to the retirement years, now they have all this time on their hands and they have all these dreams that they want to accomplish that they've never been able to accomplish before because they were always working. And all of those dreams and all that time takes money to do what it is they're trying to do with the time in their dreams. So the income plan is going to determine how much money can they spend at retirement how much money can they spend 10 years into retirement considering that silent assassin, right? The, the inflation. And then when they take income, they're going to pay taxes. So when you take income, just like when you're working, you're going to pay taxes. But if you implement a tax plan, so the tax plan is the third component of the retirement plan, then now you have more flexibility on the tax level that you pay because you, you have different buckets of money that are taxed differently. And if you structure your income plan that in a tax-friendly way, now you can increase your spendable income and decrease what it is that you pay Uncle Sam and the state that you live in. Then we have the healthcare long-term care market. And we talk about this all the time on the show. What a, what a disaster both of those markets are right now. Buying healthcare in the open market, you're spending $2,000, $2,500, $3,000 a month. Long-term care is a huge risk for most retirees. It's just how do you cover it? I've heard you say $10,000 a month some people can spend for some of these care, for some of this long-term care. Yeah, and, and for the families that we work with, and of course we're in the state of Iowa, they're paying anywhere between $3,500 a month upwards to over $10,000 a month just for their long-term care needs. Now, if you look nationally, then they can end up paying more than that depending upon the, the type of care that they require. So all of the, those components go into make up a, a retiree's retirement plan. And very few times do we actually meet somebody that they have all of those components planned for in a written document that is working together. And that's the key too, is all of these different components have to be working together. The, the decision you make with your social security, you have up to 81 different options. So of the 81 different options that you choose from, that's going to determine the level of income you receive from Social Security, which can also influence the level of tax that you pay, right? So all of this stuff has to work together, and that's really the importance of having that plan. And that Social Security is a permanent decision, correct? You can't change it after 12 months. And retirement is a permanent decision. Once you decide to retire, so. you want to just do it once. Retirement is a decision you want to make once. Now, every once in a while, there are some exceptions. People, people will retire and they say, you know what, this retirement thing is just not for me. And that's okay. As long as it's based on your decision, right? If you get to choose that retirement right now is not for you, that's the key. What you don't want to do is have somebody or something else determine that for you. 
And again, that goes back to the importance of the planning. So that goes back to, so that's one, right? That's the plan. And then the second one is what types of options, what other types of options from an investment standpoint are we talking about, right? So now we're going back to the investment planning piece of the overall retirement plan. The, the investment world today is significantly different. And this is, a, this is a good thing, by the way, significantly different than it has ever been. All we have to do is go back to the, to the 90s. So I started in this industry in 1998. This was the, the high-flying, roaring tech stock days, right? And I remember people saying, is you, could, you could put the Wall Street Journal, hang that on the wall, and you could have a, a monkey throwing a dart at the wall. Any stock it landed on was going to make you money, right? Stock selection was that easy because everything was just going up. And then 2000 came along, and 2001 came along, and 2002 came along, and that was three consecutive years of miserable negative equity returns. And that's why a lot of people got hurt in the early 2000s as well. So going back to the 1990s, and, and, and this is, so David Swenson is one of the most, most well-known uh, endowment portfolio managers. So he manages the, the Yale Foundation. And if you go to the Yale Foundation website, they'll kind of explain their investment philosophy. Back in the 90s, what David says is that that portfolio was 90% stocks and bonds, 10% alternative investments. He also goes on, he says, the world's changed. He said, there's so many more different options out there that you can use. And by the way, you need to use to make sure you're looking for the risk-adjusted returns that you require so many more options out there. Now that portfolio, the same portfolio consists of the exact opposite. Flip those numbers around. 10% stocks and bonds, 90% alternatives. Now that's, that's unique in the industry as far as that ratio. But most big foundation uh, management teams are going to have somewhere between 50 to 60% of their portfolio. That's alternatives, which is uncorrelated to stocks and bonds. And that's where we're at. So as an individual investor, now bring this back to the retirees, pre-retirees. As an individual investor, how do you do that? Because while we know, all, what most individual investors know are stocks and bonds, because that's what we've always been taught. But this investment world has really advanced and really evolved and has left the individual investor, the individual consumer in the in uh, in the rearview mirror. That's where some of the creativity of your your job and the Merkle retirement planning team comes in because you can say to people, "Okay, have you thought about this?" And I bet that's kind of fun sometimes to go, "Here, we're looking at some of these alternatives or some of these kind of newer techniques, and we think they can really fit your goals." Well, that's part of it, and and that gets pretty technical. And one of the things that really prevents people from from incorporating the the uh, eventual plan that they need to be successful is the complexity, right? All this stuff is really complex and, and sometimes it's, it's uh, analysis paralysis. And so what we try to do is we try to keep it as simple as possible. And there's some people that really like the technical aspects of it and we'll give them as much as, as we can. But then most people, they just want to know that they're going to have a good retirement. They want to see something that's simple. They want to know uh, the information that they need to make the best decisions possible in a really boiled down, simple format. So it just depends on how, how, who we're working with and what they need to help make the best decisions possible. But there's always that one underlying component of they all need that plan. They all want that plan. And that's the other part is that, that everybody's plan needs to be customized. Everybody's plan is, needs to be customized to what it is they're trying to accomplish, what it is that 
that uh, what it is as far as how they like to consume information. Do they want the really technical, in-depth analysis type part of it? Or they just want to know high level they're going to be okay. Here's how much income they can take. Here's the strategies we need to implement uh, that are turnkey to help save money on taxes, all that kind of stuff. So how do I know if the advisor I'm working with is is more of the kind of advisor I need during my working years versus the kind of advisor that I need in retirement? Because what you do is just retirement. I mean, if somebody 30 walks in, you're going to say, hang on, not quite yet. We specialize in pre-retirees and retirees. Right. Because there's two main types of advisors. And I think this is a misnomer as well. Most people think an advisor is an advisor and advisor will do all pretty much the same thing. There's an accumulation advisor, which they specialize in the accumulation phase of your life. And then there's the retirement advisor or retirement planner, which is what we do. And we only work with people within 10 years of retirement or already retired. Because the people who are pre-retirees and retirees, their goals and objectives in life have now changed from what they were in their accumulation phase. Therefore, the strategies need to reflect what their objectives are. And that's why, I mean, it's a full-time job. Social security changes, tax law changes, all of this stuff you have to keep up with. And if you're trying to be everything to everybody, that's when things get pretty complex. That's when, that's when mistakes happen. So accumulation advisors work with those in the accumulation mode. That's what they specialize in. That's a good thing. And then retirement planners uh, focus on the retirement plan and write the comprehensive retirement plans for pre-retirees and retirees. And I think that Social Security election and and the real detail that you guys, that you and the team pay to that is different than maybe what some other people in the industry are doing. Social Security really, from an advisor uh, standpoint, advisors started to pay attention to Social Security about three, four years ago. Uh, because they recognize the baby boomer demographic was getting to that point, and, which is a good thing, by the way. And the more the more professionals that are focused on trying to evaluate which options you have with Social Security and then helping you make the best decision, that's a good thing. Um, but but ten years ago, very few advisors had any knowledge at all about Social Security, and that was back when we were teaching Social Security classes alone. I mean, right now we're teaching the Passport to Retirement class two and a half hours long, and we cover those five components. Ten years ago. Our hour and a half long class, 100% of it was on Social Security. Um, but th- because some of the law changes, Social Security is not as complex as what it was then. And it's a much more familiar topic now to really everybody because the baby boomers have been familiarizing themselves with, with the nuances of Social Security. And people like us have to, been talking about it much, much more. So I have two questions. Which, yeah. First, how negative can a negative interest rate go? Well, there's really no precedent for that. Right right now, if you look internationally, uh, the most negative rate is is a half a percent. And Sweden was the first one, I think it was 2007 probably, or 2009, when they, they were the first country to go negative. And, uh, and then European Central Bank has followed since then, and that's why Trump now is talking about maybe the United States following in that fashion. Mm-hmm. But, but how far negative can it go? I mean, really, there's no precedent for that. I guess it can go as negative as it, as it can go upwards. Usually a negative interest rate environment is going, to, is going to reflect a poor economy. It's going to reflect an economy that is in dire straits. So these countries, these unions, do not want negative interest rates in general. I mean, Sweden would love to have a positive interest rate environment. It's just their economy is, is not in that particular, is not ready for that, is, is at least how they feel. In the articles... Uh 
some of what they're saying is nothing will go negative until 2020. They don't forecast anything moving down much more until 2020. So what should people look at in the news? If I'm a pre-retiree or a retiree, what should I be keeping my eye on? Yeah, that's a great question. I'm glad you brought that up because today, today, information is everywhere, right? You turn on the TV, you got how many channels do you have when you turn on the TV? And a lot of it's focused on on information, whether it's documentaries, uh, whether it's, it's live TV, talking about uh, all the business stuff that's going on. You go to the internet and you Google retirement planning. There's 312 million hits. Like information's everywhere. The problem that, that we have is we have information overload. So if you're a pre-retiree, you're a retiree that's out there trying to put together your plan and you're trying to learn about the impact of negative interest rates, you Google negative interest rates and you see article after article after article. And some of those articles, Rochelle, are going to tell you that negative interest, America will go into negative interest rates somewhere around 2020, 2021. Then you're going to see other experts that say there's no way we will ever hit a negative interest rate environment. So if you're a pre-retiree saying in two years, I'm going to give up my W-2 income. I've worked at the same employer for the last 30 years. I'm done. I'm tired. I want to go enjoy the rest of my life. And now I'm going to take all this money that I've saved and it's going to have to last me the rest of my life. So if you're trying to plan that out the rest of your life, think of the magnitude of that. And then you have all this information that is conflicting, right? And this is what we, this is the the biggest piece of feedback that we get is I wish I would have started planning 10 years ago, right? I wish I would have started with this retirement planning 10 years ago because they feel like they'd be in such a better place. Because one of the most important things it does is it, it really blocks out all that noise. It blocks out all that noise and it takes the applicable information to them in their particular situation and makes, makes it really easy to determine what decisions to make. How will the negative interest rates really impact them? And uh, so the information is everywhere. You're going to see articles about 2020 or 2021. You're going to see articles it's never going to happen it reminds me of this this recession that hasn't happened starting 2014 15 articles everywhere about how the the recession's going to happen in the next 12 months right and i mean you, you see that every time oh, so that, the, that that was in one of the articles yeah. <laughs> about the recession coming up yeah it, and since that time frame there's all these experts that are saying the recession will happen by this point the recession will happen by this point and the recession will happen but it doesn't happen it hasn't happened but we know it will happen. And if you, if you Google 2008, if you Google the people who proclaim that they saw 2008 coming and you actually Google their predictions, they're going to predict it in 2005. They're going to predict it in 2006. And they're going to they're have all these predictions. And eventually it's going to come true. right? Eventually they're going to get it right because eventually the recession is going to happen. And then that's what they're going to bank on for the next recession, right? This person, this company, they predicted 2008. Well, how many times do they predict it before it came true? The bottom line, too, if, if I'm in retirement or I'm really stinking close, I don't want to be checking my phone every few minutes to see what the stock market is doing. I don't want to be watching the latest name your headline to worry about what they're doing in Washington, D.C. If I have a plan in place and I feel good about the plan, and it's written down, and I've gone over it with my significant other, or if I'm single, I've gone over it, you know, with somebody I trust. I shouldn't 
worry about this stuff all that much. Well, that's part of the freedom of the, of the plan is, is there's not too many retirees that I talk to today that want their lifestyle to be going up and down with the market, that want their lifestyle to be completely dependent or largely dependent upon what these crazy people in Congress do. Right. What they want their lifestyle to be predicated on is what they want to accomplish. Right. What, what are they feeling today? They wake up this morning. They want to have their coffee out on the deck and watch the, the sun sunrise come up. And then what's sounds next? great. Right? Sign me up. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, that, that's what they want their day predicated on is what their passions are. And next week, what do they want to do? I mean, there's so many times we talk to people that they have their next three months planned out and they are so excited to talk about it. Because this is the type of freedom they've never had before, and they have the plan in place that says, this is affordable. This is not only affordable, but it's sustainable. And that's the true value of the plan. And just think about the comfort that that would give you, right? Knowing that regardless of what those crazy crazies do, that we can't control, by the way, regardless of this mar- what this market does, that we can't control, by the way. We can control what we do today. We can control what we do tomorrow. We can control what we do 30 years from now. A lot of valuable information right here on this podcast. It's Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. Thank you for listening. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts or go to MerkelPlan.com for more. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC.